Hey guys, this is episode number 82. For episode 82, we're doing something a little different. We're interviewing a gentleman named Troy Brown, who's the, if, you, if you're involved with the ICMA, you know Troy. He's the immediate past president. He's a city manager in the town of Moore Park. You go, huh, what part of Florida is Moore Park in? Well, it's not in Florida, it's in California. And Troy has a really good perspective on community engagement, how to engage your local folks. And, and, and in light of the fact that many of you know this, you could have a project coming up and eight people could show up at your town hall meeting or your city council meeting and just kill it um, because they, you know, they, they dominate the room, they dominate the conversation. But Troy tells us a little bit about how engaging the community on the front end and the ways he does that uh, and has done through his career can really help mitigate some of those things. So when your council wants to do... Uh, good things in the community. This this is a good technique to help them th- with that. And also he talks a little bit about uh, having a strategic goal and how to implement a strategic goal. So I really, I really liked Troy. I think you're going to really like him too. And, and he just comes across as a really good guy and very, very knowledgeable. Stay with us on, ep- on this episode with Troy Brown from Moore Park, California. Greetings, I'm Steve Van Cor, and this is the FCCMA Podcast, a service produced by and for the Florida City and County Management Association. I'm your host. Each episode, we interview a city or a county leader who's in a position to share interesting and useful insights into the operations of local government here in the Sunshine State. Today, we're going to do something a little different. Um, But before I get to that, I want to remind you that if you have um, someone you would like to nominate as a guest on the podcast, just send me an email at svancor at vancorjones.com, or you can message FCCMA on their Facebook page. Um, Let's get right into it, because I said we're going to do something a little different. You know, we've been interviewing a large number of uh, city managers, assistant city managers, deputy county administrators, et cetera, throughout the state of Florida. Well, we thought we'd reach across the pond a little bit, as it were, and uh, or across the continent. Uh, we're going to be talking today with Troy Brown from California, Moore Park, California. Why would I call Troy Brown? First of all, he's an interesting dude. Secondly, he's the immediate past president of ICMA, so he's got a lot of perspective about cities all across America. And sometimes I think it's a good way to reflect on what we do by getting somebody who's got a very different perspective, because as we know, municipalities are structured differently in different parts of the uh, of the country. And so sometimes just being uh, kind of incestuous in Florida may not always be the right way to go. So we, we've had some really good experiences with people from, from other states. So Troy, uh, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Stephen. I'm uh, really glad to be here. It's still morning here in California. Uh, Moore Park is its just a really nice slice of heaven. We are in Southern California, about 35 miles northwest of Los Angeles. Um, I'm near the Thousand Oaks, Malibu area, so I'm surrounded by mountains, very temperate climate. It's about you know 77 degrees, about 300 days a year, uh, but it's still morning here, and I'm glad to be here. Well, it's 77 degrees three quarters of the year here as well, except that's our low. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. I love. Yeah, I, spent, I spent quite a quite a bit of time in Florida 
during my time as ICMA president, really enjoyed my time down there. Uh, in fact, just got back from Florida last week. I, I was in uh, Tampa. It's a really, really great place. Yeah, Tampa is a is a phenomenal place. It's transitioned over the last 15, 20 years, Tampa and downtown St. Pete. They brought the med school down. They improved along the river. Uh, it's a really good example of how changing the infrastructure can change the culture and the quality of life of a community. And I think both St. Pete and Tampa, downtown Tampa are really good examples of that. Uh, so, so thank you. For, thanks for coming and visiting. Absolutely. Thanks for coming and visiting and spending your money here because that's how we survive. <laughs> I did. I did plenty of that. <laughs> so we we talked a little bit about in the preview. Um, what what are your specialty areas? And I love the two areas. We want to. I want to get into one is community engagement, and the other one is setting a strategic direction for your city. So let's let's start with why uh, community engagement is important to you. Tell me a little bit about what that means. Yeah, great. So to me, you know, I, I I take my job as sort of a normal person would. I always give myself sort of a normal person test. And I remember growing up, um, I didn't grow up in California. I remember growing up on the East Coast in pretty much a Hansel Adams environment. I had a creek that ran next to my home, beautiful field behind it. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, I wanted the same things that other folks wanted, which was just to have the opportunity to be the best person that I could be. You know, um, I liked clean streets. I, I liked, um, you know, being feeling safe in my community at night. I, I liked going down to my local park and playing basketball. Um, and all of that is a result of sort of, you know, as I've come to learn, uh, the wishes of what a community desires and what a community wants. And there's no better way to sort of really understand and implement that than to do community engagement. Because community engagement, from my perspective, leads to good policy development. What do you mean? I Give me what, what do you mean by community engagement? Tell me I mean that. community engagement by sitting down and listening to people, understanding sort of what's important to them, you know, what they value um, in a community because different communities value different things, um, and then helping to create an environment through policy development of where you can expand those things. Certain communities value clean clean roads. There's a, there's a few communities here in Southern California that you drive on them and it feels like you're on glass. The streets are so smooth, right? That's a high value that they have. They don't have a whole lot of parks, but they've got these amazing streets. Then there's other communities like mine, man, we, we value parks here. In fact, we value parks so much that we pay almost $2 million a year from our general fund just for parks maintenance. We've got some of the greenest, most lush parks that I've seen in, in a lot of communities around me. So is this this like a, 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 a the idea being um, I want to engage the community and I want to talk about how do you do that, but get, to see what it is they want. And then my job through the commission, getting setting policy would be to implement it. So the community says, OK, thank you. This we wanted a new vibrant downtown. We wanted a, a live work center here. We wanted better transportation, whatever those things are getting with them, learning what they want, and then going out and trying to achieve it. Is that so one one city might like fast, clean roads, the other city likes parks. We by the way, Tallahassee, we love our parks. That's obsessed right. with our parks. You know, that's don't right. cut down a tree where you know it's <laughs> that, that's it. That's exactly right, Stephen. And I think part of it is once you can sort of really get good at community engagement, understanding what's important to your community, uh, because the elected officials come from that. Right? That's where our elected officials come from. They come from our community. So in theory, 
they should they should bring with them the values of the community and want to get things done that the community wants to get done. So in order to better understand that and in order to better develop good policy to move those values forward, you really have to get down and engage the community and understand and live what those values are. So tell me what that looks like. How do you, what's the first step? I said, okay, we, we want to give me, give me a project to revitalize downtown or bring a convention center to our community. What, what are the first steps to community engagement? What does that look like? Well, I'm going to take it back to the beginning for me. Um, because when I when I came to Moore Park five years ago as our city manager, I'm the city's second city manager in a 40-year history. So when I came here, the first thing I did was I held a series of meet and greets or walk and talks where residents could come. I went to where they were. I went to the local craft brewery. I went to the parks. You know, I, I went to the homeowners associations just to sit down and meet them. And understand these what, announced what meetings, know. like you sent out a postcard, or you talked to out, the associates. That's right. I advertised it. I sent out postcards. It was an opportunity for people to um, just show up. They didn't have to sign up. Um, we advertised it in our local newspaper. But more than meeting the city manager, it, which was good, you know, it was an opportunity for me to get to know people. I was listening and trying to understand what what are they valuing, what am I hearing, and some of the things that I took away from those conversations we actually have implemented in our strategic plan, right? People were concerned about revitalization of downtown. People were concerned about rising home values and, and the cost to buy a home. So they would just share that stuff with me. And those, those were values. Those were, those were values. It was a meet and greet, sure, but I was engaging the community to try and understand what it is they want. Um, and I took that information um, and did a, you know, I'm moving a little bit past that now, but I took that information and sat down with the council and started talking about our strategic plan. But, but I, so you're, your staff, isn't yeah. this, uh, my instinct would be, this is something the new mayor should do, a new commissioner should do. Why, what, what's the benefit to a staff person doing this? And, and did any of your commissioners push back a little bit on, on that? No, I, no. Um, you know, so I, I think, under sort of the traditional council manager form of government, right? There's a bright line in the sand between policy and administration. And the truth of the matter is, on a practical level, on a daily basis, um, we we do get involved in a little bit of that policy side as we develop policy, right? We're writing recommendations. We're crafting staff reports to try and move an issue forward. That's a little bit of us dipping our toe onto the policy side. Now, I don't vote on those issues. Uh, but I did have a conversation with my elected officials about clearly going out meeting with the community. I told them that I was fairly good at that. Um, they actually welcomed that. They said, good, we're not great at that. Every time, <laughs> every time we go out, we seem to get beat up, but we want we want people to feel like they can come to the city. So they didn't feel threatened at all. Okay, about good. That. Yeah. So is this something you keep as a regular part of your existence? Now, you've been there since 18, that you regularly, uh, when ideas are per- percolating up, you go to the town center, you go to the, the craft brew, wherever it is you're going. Do you still, is this a regular part of what you do on an ongoing basis? Well, I, li- I live in the community that I work for, so I'm always out and about. But I think from a community engagement perspective, we've really sort of elevated it. I mean, that was sort of when I started with the community. Um, one of the things that I heard from the community and the council at the time was, you know, City Hall was this place that was a, on an ivory tower that people really wouldn't engage with. Uh, but since that 
since that early time that I've started, um, I've actually started another conversation, which was an update to the general plan of the city, right? The general plan of the city is that policy document that contains the foundation for all policies that we're going to be implementing over a span of time. In Park, we had never updated our general plan, right? So over the past 18 months, we've been out, me and my staff have been out in the community having conversations with them about circulation, public safety, land use, a, a whole number of litany of things to get the feedback from the community so that we could ingrain that into our general plan, which will be the springboard for all policies and all actions over the next 30 years. So we've really taken it up a level in terms of community engagement. The community, I started that conversation is, this is what a general plan is and why it's important to you, right? And then people sort of latched onto that and they really wanted to provide their input. There are certain parts of our community that are rural. They wanna maintain that rural character. There's other parts of our community that are somewhat urbanized. They want to see revitalization in those areas. And, and it's always the devil's in the how you do that. This so give me, give me an example. So you go out on this, you're brand new, you go on this listening tour. Yes. What is something you took from that and then converted into action? Give me, give me, give me a working example of that. I heard from a little old lady. She said, gee, I wish we had more whatever or less whatever. And then we went back to the council. We impl- instrumented, implemented a plan. Give me, give me a good example. Of that can work with. Here, here's an example. Um, we have in our community, I have maybe 25 years worth of commercial stock, and there's been an evolution of commercial, you know, brick and mortar buildings over time, mm-hmm. as as this online uh, commercialization has sort of evolved. So I've got a bunch of empty storefronts. Um, and so one of the concerns that I heard from the community in the very beginning was we should be doing more economic development. We, you know, we should definitely have a more active role in trying to revitalize some of these spaces. Um, people, they talk about economic development, but it's different. You know, if I asked one person what economic development was and asked another one, I'd probably get two different answers. But based on that information, I came back to the city and I had a conversation with my staff and went through my budget to look at what are we doing in terms of economic development? Because to me, um, a budget is a manifestation of your priorities. And we had- By the way, say that, again. Say, say that again. A budget is a manifestation of your priorities. I love that. That's exactly right. Uh, yeah. So I looked in the budget and saw that we had about $25,000 allocated for economic development. Well, that's- that's not what the community is saying is, is, is important to them. So I came back and I actually sat down with the council, reorganized my organization and created an economic development division. So now I've actually got hundreds of thousands of dollars to go toward economic development. I got staff people who focus on this. And that all sort of springboarded from that initial conversation of what are we doing for economic development? That's a real tangible outcome from that conversation. And for then, and so by listening, what you heard was, for us, the economic development is we're tired of looking at empty storefronts, boarded up windows that, because in other communities, right, it's it's like, look, we need better paying jobs so we can afford the rent. We need um, uh, better paying jobs for this or that. But you're saying from that perspective, you learned it was about revitalizing some of these areas that had empty storefronts. And so you came back, reprioritized your budget to match the priorities of the community and then you began this journey of trying to find ways to fill these storefronts. That that's exactly right. And 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 back to your point about 
Um, because I, you're right, I did sort of skip over it. A budget no. is a as a manifestation of your priorities. No, I I, I asked you to repeat it because I love that statement because it's I, I believe you're right, and I just wanted right. to make sure people heard it and emphasized it. Oh, it's really simple. I mean, I love budgets. If you, we all have budgets at our home, right? I mean, my home budget. If you picked up my my bank statements once a month, you would see what my priorities are. I have a house and a daughter, right? And you could see that in my budget. So if I was because that's how I spend my money. So when I came back and heard from the council and the community that we all valued economic development, I picked up the budget and said, this budget doesn't reflect that we value economic development. Right? So, so we have to do something about that. And it was through that collaborative process of hearing the community, being able to take that, translate that to the council, which they already understood. Right? They, like I said earlier, the council came from the community. They knew we had vacant storefronts. They knew we wanted economic development. But it's a real simple thing to say, I know you want it, but it's really not a priority. If I look at this budget, we value parks and public safety. Right? That's where our money is going. So we, we made some time to carve out a little bit of some money to free up some time to really focus on economic development. And we're reaping the rewards of that. now. Give me an example of the rewards. We, we, uh, we have retenanted. Um, we, uh, we retenanted a vacant storefront. We're going to be getting... Bolero, which is a family-friendly um, sort of, I won't say fast food, it's fusion food, uh, where you can do neon bowling. Those are the types of things that you want. So I took this vacant storefront that was fairly large and reactivated. Um, we, we have our downtown, our, our little chamber, uh, our little quaint high street, which is our downtown. Um, we had um, some vacant storefronts there. And we've had some really cool spots uh, start to pop up around there through some efforts of us opening up um, our business our business uh, storefront that we have here at the city, as well as, uh, you know, just some economic development efforts to actually go out and advertise, attract, and retain some businesses. Now, it's hard. Uh, you know, I don't think that we're going to fill up 25 years of vacancy, so we're having different conversations about that. You know, maybe some of these older storefronts need to be revitalized into mixed-use development, but we've made progress. Small incremental progress. No, I love I love the steps. Listen, understand, right. reprioritize your budget, begin to implement. Begin. You're at the beginning stage of those successes. I mean, that's right. We, we you know, you, you're when you're a city manager, you come into a project many times, uh, like transportation projects, economic uh, yeah, infrastructure redevelopment. They take generations, yeah. um, and so you get to see either the beginning, the middle, or the end. And so right. four short years, you're already starting to reap some of the benefits of reinvesting your money into your brand of economic development, which is to repopulate some of these some of these storefronts. Yeah, and that, that's been a, you know, to be honest with you, Stephen, that was part of the temperament that I had to sort of learn to adjust to as I progressed throughout my career. Uh, when I started my career, I was actually doing things, you know, on a daily basis. I would go in as a technician and I'd, I'd do some task. And if I got it done, I could see the impact. Um, over time, you know, the work that I'm doing today, I may or may not see through. I don't think the work of cities and community building is ever done, but I'm putting in the foundation today. So if I come back in 10 years, I'll look around and say, oh, wow, that's I all that, that stuff. I started that. That's all that stuff that's coming to fruition. But the work that I'm doing and sort of laying that foundation is super uber important. And sometimes that's where the hard conversations are really had, you know, implementing it sort of becomes a little bit easier once you answer those big policy questions about 
No, what do that's I a good do point. Once you, because yeah. if I have a hundred dollars and only two cents is dedicated to um, economic development, and I say I want that to go up to ten dollars, well, something else has to give, right? Something else has to give, uh, and so you that that's where the hard decision comes in. But once you've made that decision, you now have the resources to make the changes you want. You know, it's funny because in Tallahassee. We don't have the empty storefront problem. We have we're the capital, so we have a lot of associations, a lot of lobby firms, a lot of uh, businesses that do business with the government occupying the storefronts. Our problem has been uh, getting people with decent middle income jobs, and so we yeah. were really happy to bring in an Amazon distribution center. I'm guessing that more part California, like wait, 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 what are you doing? <laughs> That's exactly the opposite of what we want. Uh, we need we need local businesses, small businesses, a, a good little bike shop, a new craft brewery, a, a clothing boutique, or whatever those things are to open up in our downtown, so that we feel that economic impact. Because it's not really just about jobs; it's about quality of life for everybody else. And, and that's that's exactly right, Stephen. I want to talk about the quality of life forever, real quickly. That's what makes my job easier. I think that I want the same thing that most people want. I, you know, I don't want to drive down the street and see a bunch of vacant storefronts. But to, to your point about sort of what you have and what you're trying to attract, what, in that conversation, uh, one of the things that I learned was we really value sort of a small hometown mom and pop feel in our downtown. If you went to our downtown, you wouldn't see any major chains down there. They're all local people that have grown up in the community. But we value that. and and. Even the council and even the community had a, a priority to expand on that, right? So when I got here, I said, okay, how can I bring more mom and pop establishments into our downtown? Which is hard because yeah. in a lot of cases, you get folks that just want to be business people and then they get into the process and no one ever told them that you're going to lose money for the first six months before you start making money. They just have this dream. But we had this policy that says, and it's related to parking. So for any new building that comes in, you have to provide a certain number of parking spaces. And if you don't, you can fee out for it. And the fee out is $17,000 a parking space. So our downtown, we're near a high quality transit center, a train station, so parking's becoming a premium. So a lot of these mom and pops that wanna start are tripping over this parking requirement. So I had to have a conversation with the community and the council about, okay, we all have issues with parking, right? We, we, all, we all sort of want parking, but you want mom and pop, so we have to do something with the $17,000 fee out fee if we really want mom and pops. And that's how you get down to sort of solving some of these problems. Yeah, because I'm opening up a, a kitschy that's little right. pizza place, you know, with a coal fired oven or whatever. Um, and I need I can't provide 10 parking spaces. That's one hundred and seventy thousand dollars. Guess what? That, that kills you. That as, as a mom and pop establishment, that I'm kills gone. your dream right away. So you right. so part of that initiative is to waive that or to give credits or to do something which preserves the parking, helps fix the parking problem, too, but allows these businesses to be able to afford to come in. Well, we had to have a, again, I had to have a community conversation with my community because they valued parking quite a bit. Everyone wants to park near where they are going to go. So I said, look, park the shape of parking and what that looks like. First of all, here's the actual state of it today. Right? The actual state of it today is despite the, the fact that you may feel like you don't have parking spots, 63% of our parking is available downtown. So I had to provide some data. And then I said, okay, as we grow over time, 
what what is parking going to look like here? Do we we want to have conversations about parking meters in our downtown? We have conversations about parking structures in our downtown. You know, that's sort of the conversation that really the community needs to have with themselves to try and reconcile to understand, so that when I go back to the council and start waiving parking requirements for projects that are moving forward, people have that context. They, they won't say, "Wait a minute, why'd you do that? We have a parking problem." So it's a student engagement through that conversation of bringing all these issues to light that you can develop good policy. Interesting. Which which brings us to the your your second area, which because because I see where you're going with this, which is you you know you said to me in the preview, you know, moving in a strategic direction is really important to you. That and so tell me what that means. Give me the definition of that because that's that's one of those areas that and then you just taught us a little bit about community engagement, how to get buy in from the public take that, convert that to policy that makes a difference, right? And then to follow through. But what does it mean moving in a strategic direction? Well, um, so when I started here, and when I go to a lot of cities, I always check their mission statement, right? What does your mission statement say? So our mission statement is striving to improve the quality of life for more park residents. Blah, blah, blah. Means a bunch of nothing, right? <laughs> it means it's just a bunch of words. Um, and so I tried to find our strategic plan because when I started in my organization, my staff said, Troy, what's your vision? Where are you going? What are you trying to get done in the city? And I said, well, it's really not my vision. I mean, it's, it's a city. I need to understand where the community wants to go and where the council wants to go. So I actually looked at their strategic plan at the time, and it was about a 35-page to-do list. And it, it was some pretty good things on there. Widen this road, fix this bridge, build this park. Uh, but how does that connect to where we're going and what, why we're doing these things? So I took all that information, I sat down, and I came up with some broad categories of economic development, um, governance, um, financial sustainability, uh, and, and mobility, tra- you know, tra- transportation. You categorize these things. It sounded, to me like, it sounded to me like something between a honeydew list and a bunch of tasks as opposed to a strategic guidance document. That's exactly right. So I categorized all that stuff and I put that list under those broad categories and then presented it to the council. And I said, okay, we're striving to improve the quality of life for Moore Park residents. We're going to do that through economic development, mobility, governance, and financial sustainability. And then I listed a bunch of tasks. Now on my walls around City Hall, you can see the strategic plan, but all the staff get to sort of look at it and they, they understand why they're doing what they do and how it fits into the bigger picture. I don't care where you are in the organization, even if you're doing a staff report, you're supporting some strategic objective that may not stand, if you look at it sort of on the surface, it doesn't make sense. But if you look at it in a bigger context, we all know where we're trying to get to. And that's, that's the part that actually strategic planning helps me a lot because every once in a while, like every day, I get a request that comes in from a council member or a resident that wants me to do this one thing. That one thing is important to them, but it may not be urgent in the overall scope of where we're trying to take this community over a five to 10 year period. So that strategic plan helps me create some boundaries around focusing on the things that I need to get done that are important and urgent while addressing the things and maybe putting off some things that that aren't important and urgent that sort of divert us from where we're trying to go. So that's why I think the strategic. So plan the strategic important. plan, you, 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 and I, I trust that a lot of the strategic plan comes from your community engagement, your, your, your listening sessions, et cetera. 
but it's it's you know I'm I'm in the communications business obviously and we talk about a, a message structure and a mess an overarching message and that each action you take underneath that must reinforce the larger message right um, yeah. I'm full of you know Bill Clinton and it's the economy stupid well what about healthcare Mr Clinton well healthcare is one seventh of the economy. What about right. public schools? Well, public right. schools, if our children are going to compete in the new economy. So is, is it the same way with a strategic plan that everything you're doing needs to somehow fit and reinforce and support the strategic plan? The big things do. I mean, I do a bunch of little things on a daily basis that, that don't, you know, I have to pay the bills, I have to adopt the budget. Uh, but the big things certainly do. Now, my listening sessions were a great segue for me to get into the community, but for the strategic plan, Every two years uh, before I sit down with my council at their annual at their biannual retreat, we do a resident statistically valid resident survey where we ask them some priorities to try and figure out what's important. That is the community engagement piece that feeds into our strategic plan. So I'm always sort of checking it. I'm always sort of adjusting. I'm always sort of using that resident input as the foundation uh, for policy development and where we go. But it, it certainly does help the council focus in the organization, focus on just a few things that are really important that are significant and impactful, and we can actually get them done. Well, give me an example of something that's in a um, uh, in this strategic plan that you know basically came out of the community and now you're implementing. Yeah, one thing one thing that came out of it was this whole notion of um, you know investing in infrastructure. In particular, um, we had to fix a road that was dedicated to the city when we incorporated, you know, almost 40 years ago. Um, residents really value, through our circulation, residents really value this connection. Um, now, we have since uh, started construction on this road. It's about a $14 million project. But that that focus that we've been able to put on that has helped alleviate some of the, can you come fix this curb and gutter today? Yeah, I'm going to get to that, right? But this project is really, really important, and we're going to focus on that. And sometimes even the council wants to say, what about this project over here? Yeah, that's an important project. We're going to, we're going to put some attention to that. But our focus really is on this big goal that we have in our strategic plan. And as um, part of your job as city manager to be a reminder to, to your council and to your community, Hey guys, this is all great. This little project is great, but the larger, we don't want to be pecked to death by a bunch of baby ducks. We've got to stay on the big picture prize here because otherwise we'll be 20 years down the road and have never implemented the big thing. Is that, is yeah, that a constant part of what you do? That's a constant part of what I do. And it's a balance there. I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't want to give off the impression that I ignore the little things. You know, the little things are certainly important. But in times of in in terms of where we spend the bulk of our time, you know, when the council comes up with this brand new project, at some point in time, it's okay. I can do anything, but I can't do everything, right? So, is this little project that you're talking about super important? And if it is, here's what we're not going to be doing, um, and and that generally works. They generally say, "Ooh, I don't want to not do that." I understand. We have limited resources here. So it definitely helps in that conversation. You know, it's funny when you talk about that, and that is a universal thing. And I, and I, I tell my people, my staff, and I tell my students the same thing, too. It's like, look, your boss will give you jobs. And in your case, our you know, city manager, the boss is the commission, right? And to some level, the public. Mm -hmm. But and you're sort of the, the, the center of that hourglass, right? You got the commission on one side telling what to do the public. 
but it's it's imperative for professionals to communicate upstream and say, you know, how many times have you done a Troy? I'm sure you have. I do, I've done it all the time. Hey, I need this right away. I need this right away. Hey, can you work on this project here? And I've taught my staff and others to say, look, I can do that, but I'm also working on A, B, and C, and it's their burden to come back and say, I can do A, B, and C, but which one is the most important? Because it can take me about eight to 10 hours to do A, to 10 hours to B, eight to 10 hours to do C. That's right. One of these things is not going to happen by the end of today or tomorrow. Um, and is that an important job to a city manager trying to keep a strategic vision to say to the council, that's great. We're going to do that, but which is a bigger priority for you? And how does that manifest when you're dealing with a council and a public hearing and all that kind of stuff? Well, well I, I, I can tell you how it manifests when I'm dealing with the council and public hearing, but here's how it manifests on the practical level, right? On the practical level, the council wants to get things done. And, and that's great because I want to get things done too. Um, so I generally have them pick a couple of things to focus on those big picture goals that are really big so to help us focus. What will happen is, uh, you could go into your performance evaluation and the council will say, well, you didn't get my thing done. You didn't get this thing done. It's like, you know why? Because I had a thousand things to do, right? And, and so it becomes a conversation with them about what's really important. So for me, it's been important to focus on just a few things that we can universally agree on. And then the balance, as you said, is trying to identify, okay, yeah, that's easy. I can sort of get that done today. Or man, that's really going to divert me away from a larger project. And that puts the onus back on them to say, is this what you want me working on? Because if it is, we're not doing this. And that's the conversation. Now, in terms of the public hearings, um, you know, at council meetings, which is where these things, these ideas typically come up, I will be the first one to tell the council, hey, you know, that's a great idea. Um, we can add it to the list. Um, you have a lot of other things on your list to do. Um, that I'm not going to commit to sort of working on it today, but we'll certainly identify that as a future priority. Um, and they generally un they generally understand it. I have a, a saying that I heard a long time ago that always gets a smile. It's time is God's way of keeping everything from happening at once. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's right. You're like, hey, uh, can you do this? Or, or, or I often find that when somebody puts together a plan and they say, we're going to prioritize, let's just say, uh, improving the trails in our parks because they've been getting run down, washed out, et cetera. And once they've set it and set the budget, it's almost like it happened. That's and, right. and it's done. It's like, okay, now let's talk about what else we can do. Wait a second, we haven't done that that's first. Right. And that's no. going to take a lot of time. I have to remove move staff around. We have to get budgets. We have to do RFPs. We have to get the bids to get these trails all improved. And it's going to take money. Which is, by the way, I love, and I've circled back to your prior comment about your priorities are reflected in your budget. Because, right. you know, if you say, I want better trails, well, uh, we're going to get an estimate of what that's going to cost. We're going to get a timeline together. We're going to get RFPs out. We get trail repair companies to come out here and do that. And that's going to take us six months, uh, you know, to get that stage and then another two months to implement. And then you go, well, and then we got to take something out of the budget because that's going to cost us a quarter million dollars. You know you know, Stephen, that's a great, in fact, I'm living that today. Uh, we had two goals in our strategic plan, big ones that we accomplished. Uh, one was we, we wanted to buy a new city hall. The council had a long-term goal of that. We acquired a building last year, um, so I can check that box. The other thing they wanted to do is implement arts in the community. So they adopted an arts master plan. Um, we got a lot of community input from that. 
that can check that box. So as I go forward to next year, I've already had a conversation with the council and saying, okay, let's not consider that work done because now that I've bought that city hall, guess what? I have to do tenant improvements. I have to do the design. I've got to move into it. I got to buy furniture. Now that I'm done that arts master plan, it's not going to sit on the shelf. I have to implement it. I have to go out and get RFPs for consultants, find artists. There's a lot of work that we're going to continue to do. So let's build on the good things that we've done, AKA let's not add a bunch of stuff to the agenda here. Yeah. Every, if every meeting is, I have a new idea, we're never right. going to implement any of them. That's, that's I really appreciate that perspective because I think that's very helpful. Um, so let me get to my last topic. Um, you know, cause this larger issue here, you are the outgoing president of the ICMA. Yeah. First tell me, how'd you get involved with the ICMA and why? You know, when I was a, a young man, um, I was, a, I think I was a management analyst. I just got my first job as the assistant to the city manager. When I got that job, the city manager came up to me and gave me an application to ICMA and said, you're joining this. You're going to be a city manager. Um, that was back in 2000. I went to my first conference. I think it was in Philadelphia. Um, but man, I, I loved learning. Uh, because I was so new to the profession. So I was sucking all that stuff up. Um, and as I learned, I started giving back. I started serving on a couple of committees for ICMA. And then eventually, about nine years into it, um, served as the uh, regional vice president for the West Coast. So uh, we represented Oregon, Washington, Nevada, and California, and Hawaii. And I went off of the board uh, for about two years and I decided to go back as the president. So I've been involved in um, a lot of committees with ICMA, a board member in the past, and and I just really enjoyed giving back to an organization I felt like has given me so much. I mean, like when I went to MPA school, I learned how to I learned how to do a budget, right? I, I learned a little bit about HR, but ICMA taught me the things I never learned in my MPA program, which was you know how to tactfully tell a council member no, you know that's the stuff you sort of don't learn on that side of the ledger and. Uh, to learn that through an avenue like ICMA, I felt is just right, you, 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 you can't that. leave that out there. How does one tactfully tell a council member no? Yeah, so um, great idea. Bless your heart if you're in the south. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's you have to you have to ta you have to be careful in terms of how you do that. I've had council members that come up to me and say, "Hey, I need you to do this thing for me," um, and I say, "Hey, that may be a, that sounds like a great idea." Uh, I can't do that uh, because of this reasons, but here's how you can sort of change the direction of where we're going. You bring that up at a council meeting, get some other council members to provide consensus. I'll even help you write the staff report or present it, but it doesn't work the way that you're trying to do it. You can't so tell them usually direct traffic. Yeah. I, I tell them no, but then I tell them the pathway forward. And that's very tactful rather than saying, no, you know, that's not your job and tell them no. But if you want to do that, here's how to get there. And here's what that means. And, uh, that generally works. You know, Troy, I see, I see a, a book in, in, in this, which is, you know, raising children and dealing with cancer. <laughs> right? You yeah. tell your kid, Daddy, can I watch TV? No. Uh, then you're in a fight about TV or not. But yeah. if you say no, but I tell you what, let's go outside and throw the ball. Uh, you've given them something to do. You can't always just say no to that. That's right. Um so t we're, we, you and I step onto an elevator together and I say, hey, you're in town. What are you in town for? You say, I'm in town for the ICMA conference. What is the ICMA? Uh, give me the elevator speech. And what, what is the ICMA? Uh, that's great. I have my elevator speech for that. Um, you, you so, would. 
my elevator speech is uh, there are a lot of associate professional associations out there, right? Uh, for planners, there's there's a professional association for police. There's the international chiefs for firefighters. For you name your profession, there's some professional association where you go to get training. Well, city managers are um, the CEOs of municipal corporations. Most of us know who Elon Musk is or Mark Zuckerberg. They run these these big, large, multi-billion-dollar corporations. City managers run municipal corporations, so we are the CEOs of municipal corporations. And ICMA is the professional association for city managers. Why should I join? Oh, I'm a city manager. Thank you, Troy. That's pretty cool. Why should? What is? I'm I'm pretty experienced. I know what I'm doing. Why should I? Why should I get involved in this group? Well, I think I think for me, one of the things that's a really good question. Um, because I didn't understand that when someone told me to get involved, but ICMA exposed me to things that I didn't learn about in my own community, in my own region. Uh, ICMA is an international organization uh, with you know over 13,000 members in more than 20 countries. So you get a, pers- a global perspective on problem solving and regionalism, um, and you just learn a, a lot of things that you typically wouldn't learn in, in you know, either academically or on the job every day. So it really does expose you to quite. So it's a really, it's a practical learning environment to, to give you, you know, we always say, you know, you you learn when you make mistakes and that's called experience. And sometimes you say, well, <laughs> I think it's a, better, it's a better way to learn if I can learn from your mistakes that's so right. I don't have to make them. <laughs> um, right. But it sounds like that's a lot what a, a, a ICMA is, is the an opportunity to learn from others who've been there before, learn from their mistakes. And uh, so you don't have to make them. You can learn from their mistakes, but you can also learn best practices. You can learn how to avoid some of your mistakes. I mean, it's it's really is it provides support for those not only that are city managers, but for those that work in local government on you know how, how to interact with the public, how to implement good policy, um, how to be ethical, um, you know how to learn about things that the trends that are maybe impacting your community uh, in the future. Yeah, it's funny, you mentioned climate, how to be how to be ethical. You know, it's one of those. Well, in the classroom, we all say, "Well, of course, I'd be ethical, right? I'm always going to be ethical." But in in the in the reality of, of a heated world, sometimes you have to make tough decisions because there seems to be almost no path. And and while, like I said, in in the in the coldness of just having a conversation, the heated battle ensues, and you decide, "Oh, I got to do this." We have a very strict sunshine law in Florida. Where yes, you do. Uh, city managers and you know com- council members can't even talk to each other um, easily. You know uh, they have to go through channels and stuff, and an open records law that combine with it. And it's easy sometimes to go, yeah, but this is for the better good to get that homeless shelter built. I can go ahead and place shuttle yeah. between two city managers or two city council members, and that's where the challenge comes in, right? Because now you have competing values uh, in there, and ethics training I think is, is so vital, and we of course do it here too, but. Uh, that's yeah, if that comes in, I think, it, you know, some some of the ethical tripwires that we trip over as uh, public administrators are related to that. Uh, I think that by and large, people are trying to do good. They're trying to do the right things. And there's just um, I, I won't say that we're constrained by some of these sunshine laws, but we have to act within the context of those. And you just have to be really mindful and thoughtful about the kinds of things that could sort of trip you up. Like, you know, do you want to go to lunch with a developer? that's going to potentially be having a project go before your, your council. What if someone in your community sees you sitting down chumming up with this person? How would that 
be reflective on the profession at large? You know, will people sort of not trust city managers? I mean, you got to remember it. So the city management profession was born out of the progressive era, right? Back at a time when uh, there were mayors and elected officials that were giving contracts to their friends and buddies. And, and we rejected that. We rejected a lot of things during the progressive era. Right. So, so city managers were supposed to be that politically neutral thing to provide uh, an even level of services for everyone. So it's really important that we protect that and the integrity of that. Well, and you, and you bring uh, up a good point that it, it's not just what you do, it's the perceptions of what you do. And, and you That's know, right. again, you could see this, well, I would never go to lunch with a developer. Okay, let's go back a second. You have a three o'clock city council meeting starts going to go from three to nine tonight. You won't have any bandwidth after the fact, but you've got to get something taken care of related to an upcoming development. Well, heck, you got to go get some food. You got to go get some lunch. This person standing outside of your office like, Joe, just come with me while I grab a sandwich. Now, suddenly right. you put yourself in a compromising position. Uh, and, you know, understanding the importance of that perception may change your mind and say, look, I can walk with you, but when I sit down and have my sandwich, you got to leave. That's uh, right. You know, Florida's starting to sound better every every minute here, Stephen. I mean, you guys have three o'clock council meetings. I'll take that all day. Mine start at <laughs> 6.30 p.m. Uh, well, they, they start at three, but they don't end till 11. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and that was just an example. Well, Troy, Troy Brown, last question for you. Um, yes. Tell us something cool about Moore Park. Uh, make me that would make me want to go there. Uh, something cool about Moore Park that would make you want to come here. Um, Got a great city manager. Yeah, have a fantastic city manager. It's hard because you guys are in Florida, and it's hard to compare to that. Uh, but I will tell you this: that um, one of the things that it's just really cool about this place is just the climate. Um, about 13 miles from here is a city called Camarillo, which has the second best uh, climate on the planet. I think there's another place somewhere in the Mediterranean. Who decides that? Well, it's based on air quality. It's based on the temperature and it's based on um, the environment. And because it's right on the coast, it sort of funnels itself into through this mountain range and they get this really cool breeze uh, in the morning, cloud cover in the morning that burns off to create this clean air and this ocean air blows right over to Moore Park. It's just, it's an amazing place. It's just, uh, the climate here is pretty good, probably among the best I've ever lived in, even though I'm 13 miles away from Camarillo, but it's a really beautiful little location. here. Fantastic. Fantastic. Troy Brown, city manager of Moore Park, past president of ICMA. Thank you so much for being with us. Stephen, thank you so much. This is Steve Van Cor, and this has been the FCCMA Podcast, a service produced by and for the Florida City and County Management Association. Reminder, if you have a question you want to submit or would like to nominate someone to be a future guest, email me at svancor at vancorjones.com or message FCCMA on Facebook. Thank you so much for being with us.